Welcome back to the Genesis of Conception. I am your hostess, Rebecca David, and this is the space between the picket lines. In this space, we talk about all things pro-life, but we come at it from the basis of real science and provable data and metrics. Now, in our last episode, we discussed why a person cannot simultaneously call themselves an actual Christian and also be pro-choice in any capacity. It was a lot of fun, super hot topic, 10 out of 10 would recommend listening to. Now, this week, we're going to be looking at genocide numbers and why they matter to the pro-life forefront. First, I'm going to tell you the numbers, and then I will give you a way to reference them. I'm going to do it this way because I've found that big numbers become abstract, and people are generally numb to the abstract since it's hard to wrap one's mind around more often than not, and we're all guilty of this, myself included. So bear with me, because there are a lot of numbers involved, but I will do my best to make them make sense. So first... Let me define what Holocaust and genocide actually mean, because there is a little bit of a difference. Holocaust is defined by Merriam-Webster as a thorough destruction involving extensive loss of life, and secondarily, as a mass slaughter of people, especially to genocide. Conversely, genocide is defined by the same source, which would be Merriam-Webster, as the deliberate and systematic destruction of a group. It's usually based along racial or political or cultural lines, but it doesn't necessarily have to be. Now, as for the distinction between the two, it essentially comes down to respect for the history behind the word Holocaust. Now, historically, we reserve Holocaust as a descriptor for what Nazi Germany put the Jews through. It's a way that we verbally signal that what happened to them is unmatched by virtually any other genocide in history. And it's our way of showing that it deserves respect and a solemn disposition for those reasons. Now, it's not a word to be thrown around lightly or to be misappropriated. Now that's going to be key later on, so keep that in mind. Also worth noting is that according to IPL.org, in order for mass murder to be counted as genocide, at least one quarter of the population has to die. Just think about that for a second. One quarter of a population, that means one out of every four people has to be slaughtered and it must be intentional. I just... It's so difficult to wrap one's mind around even just that, but that's just the tip of the iceberg on this one. So just so that you have a visual mental representation of how weighty of a topic this is. And the final side note before we delve into everything that's about to come is that due to the nature of mass murder on the scale of a Holocaust or a genocide, it is impossible to have exactly precise figures. Therefore, all of the numbers you're going to hear me give are going to be reliably approximate numbers. That means I, I will give you a lower end of the scale number and a higher end of the scale number and we'll divide it by the median. And that's the number that we're going to use for our percentile updates. And that will all make sense as we get going. So historically, we've got five top mass murders that take the proverbial cake when it comes to casualty numbers. For this list, 
we're going to be looking at innocent casualties over a small time frame, which everyone after the fact can agree were an atrocious act against humanity. Those are going to be important qualifiers, so keep them in mind. So those five are as follows. Compliments of theworldatlas.com. You have the Armenian Genocide, the Kazakh Genocide, the Mer-Rogue Cambodian Genocide, the Holodomor, and the Holocaust. Now, I'm not including the biggest one of all on this list, but the reason why will become clear as we progress. So if you're unfamiliar with the stories and the numbers of those five, I'm going to give you a brief rundown going from smallest to largest number of deaths. According to the United States Holocaust Memorial Museum, the Armenian Genocide happened between the spring of 1915 and the autumn of 1916. It was a focused physical annihilation of ethnic Armenian Christian people who were living in the Ottoman Empire during World War I. Now, the closest estimation which experts can reliably give is that somewhere between 664,000 and 1.2 million Armenians were murdered during this particular genocide. Now, that number is out of a total population of about 1.5 million Armenians. So for perspective on that, that means that at the lowest estimate, roughly half of the population was rendered extinct. To this day, the Armenians refer to this mass extermination as either the Meds Yagurn, which means the great crime, or the Eget, which means a catastrophe. And that is only the fifth worst on the list. Next up, we get to the Kazakh genocide. Now, according to the Library of Congress.org, this was officially a Soviet Union orchestrated famine. Now, what that means is that it was a purposeful food shortage for the purpose of a bunch of people dying. Now, it gets the title of genocide because it took between 1.3 and 1.75 million people, took their lives, in just the three years between 1931 and 1933. And remember, in order to be counted as a genocide, at least a quarter of the population has to die. And this was a famine that took so many lives that it got turned into a genocide, and it was purposeful. Now, this was the defining event in the formation of Soviet Kazakhstan, which today is called the Republic of Kazakhstan. Now, if we split that number down the middle, we get 1.5 million deaths. That equates to more than one-third of all Kazakhs being murdered via intentional food shortage. Now, the Kazakhstan people have officially termed this as the Galash Chiyokin genocide. Now, 1.5 million dead is approximately a 40% increase from the number of deaths due to the Armenian genocide. Another way to think of it, I'm going to use a vehicular um, pictures, and I'm going to put those in your mind, and we're going to use those as sort of a, another metric tool here to sort of wrap our brains around these gigantic numbers. Because I know gigantic numbers become you know, this weird abstract, and then it becomes really difficult to not be numb to it. So another way to think about that, 1.5 million dead, approximately a 40% increase from the last genocide. Another way to think of that is that the Armenian genocide is the size of, say, a large Harley motorcycle. And if that's the case, then the Kazakh genocide would be about the size of one of those like cube smart cars that you see on the road. 
Now, next on our list, coming in at the third worst genocide in recorded history, is called the Murrogue Cambodian Genocide. It happened between 1975 and 1979. You may also know this one as the Pol Pot Genocide because that was the name of the guy in charge of the political party that was responsible for this particular genocide. Now, essentially, Pol Pot, you can think of him as a much smaller scale version of Hitler. Now, from the files provided by the Texas Holocaust, Genocide, and Anti-Semitism Advisory Committee, we know that between 1.3 and 3.0 million Cambodians were slaughtered by the Murrogue political party during something called Year Zero. Now, Year Zero was intended to be the new launch point for an ethnically pure Cambodia. Again, think smaller scale Hitler. Now, Pol Pot's regime set up what were known as killing fields. And I am not exaggerating on that. That's the actual term they gave it. Now, that was where people were literally worked to the bone. And then when they dropped wherever they happened to drop because their bodies couldn't take it any longer, they were just left in mass graves. And that was the end of them. Now, by the end of this madness, again, this was just four years about one-fourth of the Cambodian population had been executed in a slow and tortured way. Just imagine that. Worked to the bone, and whenever they finally dropped dead, they were just left there. Now, if you break that number down the middle, that number of Cambodians murdered, we end up with about 2 million deaths. That is a roughly 29% increase from the Kazakh genocide. And say that the Kazakh genocide is the size of one of those cube smart cars, the Murrogue genocide would be the size of a crossover suburban, give or take. Now, second highest on the list is an event that is simply known as the Holodomor. It happened from 1932 to 1933. It was a single year that saw the extermination of somewhere between 3.5 and 7 million individuals in Ironically, Ukraine of all places, and uh, if you are listening at the time of this recording, that's ironic because uh, Ukraine is currently being attacked by Russia, and it's like a whole big political scandal. But uh, this particular time around, back in 1932 to 1933, the Ukrainians were the ones being awful. Now, an analysis conducted by the University of Minnesota informs us that this was another man-made famine that was engineered by none other than Joseph Stalin's Soviet government. Now, important to know here, Holodomor literally translates to death inflicted by starvation. The primary victims were usually rural farmers and villagers who, as a collective, made up roughly 80% of the Ukrainian population of the time. Now, they were forced to produce food, which they were not allowed to touch. Can you even imagine that these people were slaving away to make this food and they were not allowed to touch it to the point where it was like they had to make this food and then watch it be eaten by other people while they starved to death. That's got to be a special kind of mental torture. That's all I can say on that. Now, to this day, Ukrainians refer to it as the Great Famine. Again, breaking the numbers down the middle, about 5 million people died, which is roughly an 86% increase from the Murrogue Cambodian genocide, uh, which to make this simpler to say, I'm going to call it the KRC from now on. So if the KRC or Pol Pot genocide is the size of a crossover suburban or suburban, 
then the holodomor falls within the range of the combination of a 15-seater white van, like one of those big ones that you see out on the road and like youth groups use it to transport kids to events and such. One of those and also a regular-sized car. So that's the metric you're looking at there. Now, finally, the most horrendous death count of our top five, the Holocaust. It was perpetrated by the Nazi regime in Germany under Hitler, who was actually a friend of Stalin's, I kid you not. Now, we know, thanks to the National World War II Museum, that this insanity saw the targeted murder of approximately 6 million European Jews and at least a combined 5 million others, including prisoners of war and Romani and Jehovah's Witnesses and homosexuals and other victims. Again, the other events on this list are counted as genocides, but we use Holocaust to describe this one specifically because it was so far beyond the pale of the kind of violence and destruction that the world had seen before that point in time. It was pure evil through and through on a level that up until then humanity probably didn't think like modern humanity within the last couple centuries probably didn't think people were capable of. And then 11 million were intentionally slaughtered. Make no mistake, this was deliberate, organized, state-sponsored persecution and machine-like murder. Now, counting all of the deaths, not just that of the Jews specifically, this Holocaust saw a 93% increase of murders from even the Holodomor. Now, I don't even have proper words for how utterly evil that is. And our transportation model jumps from the combination of one of those 15-seater white vans and a regular-sized car to I'll equate this to one of those super large fancy airplanes that seats like a couple hundred individuals. And if you're like me and you're trying to think of the logic behind how that even works, as in getting that many people into an airplane and then that airplane actually flying, it's beyond what I understand of mechanics, but that's the scale we're looking at here. So if the Holodomor was the 15-seater white van accompanied by a regular-sized car, then one of those super large fancy airplanes that's just ridiculously ginormous, that would be the size of the Holocaust. Now, as a quick recap, the lowest death toll was the Armenian genocide, with a total of about 1.2 million dead. The highest was the Holocaust, and it saw the extermination of a collective 11 million. So going from a Harley to a ginormous, multiple hundred-seater airplane. All of those genocides, and the Holocaust, were atrocious crimes against humanity. They are worth remembering, so that future generations will never perpetuate those kinds of crimes again. Hopefully. But... Even the Jewish Holocaust numbers, which we have already established to be pure evil and worthy of remembering the victims and what they went through and all of that and setting aside that special word for something at least that atrocious, if not worse. Even the Jewish Holocaust numbers do not hold a candle to the one which I did not put on that list. So I'm going to explain to you why I count this other one as a holocaust and then i'm going to explain to you why i did not put it on the other list so bear with also before i get into that a side note that is worth noting 
is that all of those five genocides slash Holocaust, they were supported, they were encouraged, and they were facilitated by either the socialist or the communist party of the country of origin. Now, before a country can reach the socialism or the communism level, which they're just variations on the same theme, the baby step in advance of that is for a country to be run by the Democratic Party. Now, that is not me having a personal opinion on the matter, which I'm saying to you now. That's not how I operate on this channel. That is simply a historical truth. You can you can go back in history and you can look. That is just a fact. Now, that matters because the current Democratic Party of America, which is where I'm getting my numbers for this next one from, is the one which has encouraged the present day atrocity that I'm about to lay before you. And so we get to the worst crime against humanity that we have ever seen. LifeNews.com informs us that in the United States alone, since Roe versus Wade made abortion legal 50 years ago, about 63 and a half million children have been exterminated in the womb. Now, I'm not pulling that number, or I should say LifeNews.com is not pulling that number out of thin air. They got their data from a combination of talking to the Guttmacher Institute and the Center for Disease Control. If you are unfamiliar with those two, they are two institutes that work together to take abortion tallies directly from abortion facilities across all 50 United States. Therefore, this is not cherry-picked or blown out of proportion data. In fact, I highly encourage you to check it out for yourself because I know whenever I first started researching all of this, I was blown away, and I'm coming at it from a pro-life angle, but I, I make it my policy to keep the numbers honest and solid and provable and statistical on this show, so this is very real. Again, the number of dead here is 63 and a half million. Now, I'm going to count that death toll with extreme caution and forethought as the abortion holocaust, not genocide but Holocaust. Allow me to explain why, and also why I did not add it to the previous list. We reserve, as we stated before, we reserve the term Holocaust for an atrocious act of deliberate, organized, state-sponsored persecution and machine-like murder. Now, I have explained in separate previous episodes why abortion qualifies as each one of those individual items. I highly encourage you to go back and listen to those episodes. They're labeled so it's easy to find them. Therefore, with the exact same criteria being met here as was met for the Jewish Holocaust, plus a 141% total increase in the death toll from the original Holocaust numbers, I believe that this safely qualifies as not just a genocide, but a holocaust. And again, allow me to repeat this number because I do not want you to miss it. 141% total increase. So instead of having just one ginormous plane, you have at least three or four. That's insane. Now, I did not include abortion on my previous list of top five genocides slash holocaust because all of those occurred across very short time spans. They were stomped out in their tracks and everyone on the other side of them universally recognized them as evil. Abortion has been a legal and encouraged process for 50 years. Therefore, 
it does not qualify for the other list. Now, one more time, I'm going to summarize all of these numbers because big numbers can be freaky and they can cause a numbing effect because whenever you get numbers that huge, it's so, so hard to wrap the mind around them. But we need to wrap our mind around them because if we don't, that is when evil people get away with mass murder. So the lowest death toll was the Armenian genocide, which came out to 1.2 million dead and for comparative measure was the size of a Harley motorcycle. We can all agree that it was evil. The highest, aside from abortion, was the Jewish Holocaust, and it capped out at 11 million, with the size being equivalent to a super large plane. Again, all rational people still agree that it was evil and it was awful. But 11 million is not even in the same ballpark as 63 and a half million. 63 and a half million. 141% total increase, going from one ginormous plane to at least three or four. To put it another way, if you break 63 and a half million down by 50 years, you get about 1.5 million per year. That's a higher number than even the Armenian genocide, which is number five on our other list. If you spread that sort of intentional mass murder as a yearly number across half a century, I argue that you cannot possibly come away calling it anything other than a holocaust. Now, I encourage you to pause this episode and to just sit with that information for a moment and really think on it and really realize the magnitude of what that means. And when you're ready, press play and I'll have the book recommendation of the week for you. So this week's book recommendation is called Maybe You Will Survive. It is a Holocaust memoir, and it was written by Aaron Goldfarb and Graham Diamond. Now, it details Aaron's experience in the labor camps and his courageous escape. I want you to read it because it's a fantastic look at what happens when those with power decide to turn off their humanity and either allow or contribute to the murder of innocent human beings, which is exactly the same thing that happens with the abortion holocaust. The things that you'll feel for the brothers from this tale, and also the ones who are discussed who did not survive, those are the same things which you should feel for the most helpless and innocent among us, which the preborn by definition are. And now it is time for my favorite part of the episode. If you are facing a crisis or an unplanned or even an unwanted pregnancy, or maybe you know somebody who is, or maybe you just have questions and you want to talk with me, please reach out. Whoever you are, I can get you connected to the proper resources and I can answer any queries that you might have. So if you're looking for me on Facebook, I am Bex David, um, which is B-E-X like X-ray and then last name David, D-A-V-I-D like the biblical king. Everything else is proudly pro-life Gen Z woman. So if you're looking for me on any other social media platforms, proudly pro-life Gen Z woman is how you find me. Now, as for next week, we are going to dive into a hard but necessary look at cases of rape and incest. And I'm aware of how heavy of a topic that is. I'm right there with you. I understand. But that's why it's so necessary to discuss because on on this show, we talk about the really hard things and we do it honestly. So I will give it the 
I will give it all of the things it deserves, but I will be honest with you. So just go into it with that in mind. And really quickly, before we get to the end, if you agree with the things I talk about on this podcast, or maybe you don't agree, but you think they're important to discuss, it would be fantastic if you subscribe to the channel and also share it with a friend who you think also needs to hear it. It really, really does help out. And of course, download episodes because who yeah. For now, have a fantastic, blessed, and safe rest of your week. Never forget how precious and beautiful and loved you are in the eyes of our Savior. And I challenge you to live as though it is true because it will completely revolutionize your world. Let's continue to be pioneers in the space between the picket lines together. See you next episode. God bless.